millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Listen, you need more followers. If you want more customers, you need more leads. In order to get more leads, one of the easiest, best ways to do that is by leveraging social media. And the best place to leverage your social media is with Instagram. There are billions of users. You just need to know how to attract the ones who want what you have. Brock and I have helped thousands of people just like you grow their account from like 150 people to 5,000, 10,000, 50,000, even half a million followers. No, you don't need to be a gorgeous fitness model. No, you don't have to be great on camera. It is easier than ever to grow your Instagram account, but you need to understand how. It's not that difficult. In fact, you're probably wasting so much time on Instagram right now, and we want to help save you time and make you money by finding the customers who want what you have. I invite you to join us. We have a monthly membership. It's insane. It is the best-priced training mentorship on the interwebs, if I do say so myself. When you join Insta Clubhub, your monthly membership entitles you to two live interactive trainings per month. They're insane. In addition to that, you can log in at any time and watch hundreds of quick, tiny tutorials, each of which are designed to help you grow your Instagram, reach more customers, and do so as quickly as possible. I want to invite you to check it out. Just go to instaclubhub.com. You don't even have to remember that. While you're listening to the show, just scroll down right now over the show notes. You will see that there's a link there to Insta Clubhub. You can actually click on that while you're listening to the show and enter your email address to learn more. It's that simple. And we look forward to seeing you on our next live training. Hey, what's up? And welcome to today's episode of Build Your Tribe. Today's episode, I'm going to start by telling you a story. And yes, we're going to talk about storytelling tips later. But I just wanted to start by telling you a story. So this was February of... 2014. My entire family loves snowboarding. It's one of our big family passions and hobbies and something that we did together a lot growing up. This was 2014, so I was a junior in high school heading into my off-season for football, and that's going to be important and come up later. But at this time, February 2014, my family was spending the weekend in Utah snowboarding, and it was an epic trip. I mean, absolutely awesome. My entire family, my dad, my mom, my sister, myself, we had a great time snowboarding the entire weekend. One of the days, we even went backcountry snowboarding, which for anyone who doesn't know what that means, basically, it's going into the terrain that isn't on the ski resort. And we did this with guides. We did it in a safe way. But it's some steep, wide open, deep, I mean, it's legit stuff. It's scary sometimes. But it's absolutely fun. It gets your adrenaline going, gets your heart pumping. So much fun. Then on Sunday, we were flying back home. But before we did, my dad and I were like, hey, let's just do a couple laps, a couple quick runs on the ski resort before we head down to the airport. You know, just get those last few minutes of snowboarding in. So we start, we're going down. It's a normal day. We're cruising 20 degrees outside, you know, the The wind's whipping by our face, and we're just having fun, kind of weaving in and out and snowboarding together, father and son. 
we get down near the bottom of the run where the chairlift is and we're about to, you know, just come to a nice stop and unclick from our snowboards and get on the chairlift to go back up to the house and be done snowboarding for the day. When suddenly everything went black. I heard a loud thud. I felt my body jolt. And then the next thing I knew, I was sliding down the mountain backwards on my back, head first. And the only thing I knew was that my shoulder, chest, neck area was in a lot of pain. And instinctually, I was grabbing for that area of my body. I was grabbing for that kind of neck, shoulder area. My dad very quickly hurried over to me, helped me up, and walked me over to a chair that was sitting at the bottom of the run there. And I sat down in it and just kind of leaned my head back. And I was like, what happened? And he goes, well, you, you flipped over and you hit your head. And I later learned exactly what happened was I hit a sheet of ice and I caught my edge, which if people don't know what that means, basically when you snowboard, you're leaning on one of your edges. Catching your edge means that you accidentally got caught on the wrong edge and flipped over. So I got caught on my heel side, my backside edge. I flipped over. I hit my head, basically did an entire backflip and I landed right on my shoulder. That shock or jolt that went through my entire body, that was my collarbone shattering. Now, trigger warning for anyone who's queasy or doesn't like, you know, the stories about broken bones. We're getting into it now. But basically, I won't get too gory on you. My bone split completely in half and fragmented kind of skull and crossbones style. Like the bone, the collarbone, which is normally a straight bone, had crossed and made an X. I found that out later after getting down the mountain and having an X-ray. But this led to probably one of the most painful two-month periods of my life. Later that day, still had to get on the plane with the shattered collarbone and fly home. A few days later, I went in for surgery and I had a plate and seven screws inserted into my collarbone, which are still sitting right there in my chest today as I record this podcast. And then for the next two months, I had to go through the entire rehab process of not being able to lift my arm slowly working on raising it and building the strength back in that left side of my upper body. This was, like I said earlier, the junior year off season for me, the off season from my football season. This is, for those of you who don't know, this is a really important time for recruits, recruiting. This is a really important time for people in the football world to go to different camps, tour different colleges, and get looked at by different universities. I wanted to play college football. I wanted to continue my football career after high school and play at the next level. And this period of time was absolutely crucial for that chance. I mean, this was the period of time where you are going to all of these universities where they are having an opportunity to see you in person, get to evaluate you, talk to you, meet you, and, and kind of you know begin that recruiting process. But unfortunately, for about three or four months, I was in a sling and having to do rehab and just trying to regain upper body strength. So I wasn't able to begin my recruitment process. And even when I was able to finally start going to these camps and touring schools and going to different universities, I wasn't necessarily my full self. It took probably about six months until I 100% felt like I was back at the point that I was in February of 2014 before my accident. This, I think, had a huge effect on my recruitment. 
Long story short, I had a great senior football season and I ended up going to Georgetown University. But I think if I had an extra six months of recruitment, I might have ended up somewhere else. You know what? I'm going to be so bold as to say if I had an extra six months of recruitment, I definitely would have ended up somewhere else. And that's no shade towards Georgetown. That's just the reality. If you have an extra six months of being recruited, things are likely going to end up differently. But I ended up at Georgetown and fast forward to that summer. I am getting ready for my freshman football season, my first year of college, my first football season in college. And I was really homesick. I was missing my family. I was in Washington, D.C., and I was born and raised in Southern California, so I was completely separated from my family on the other side of the United States, far from home. And not only was I homesick, but I was also feeling really guilty because I was surrounded by a bunch of other college football players who couldn't necessarily provide for themselves in the same way that I could because of what my parents were giving me. My parents were helping me out with tuition, they were paying for my housing, and they were giving me money every week for groceries and and buying myself food and anything else I wanted. I had a credit card that I had permission to use whenever I felt fit, and I felt really guilty about that because my fellow teammates, my friends, they didn't, and I wasn't okay with this. So my mom came out to visit me in Georgetown, in Washington, D.C., And I kind of told her all of this, and we decided that I really have two choices. I can either live just like all my friends, just like all the other college students and college football players and, you know, scrape by and do the ramen noodle thing, which there's nothing wrong with. That's definitely a lot of people's experience with college. Or I can continue living the way I'm living in terms of buying the groceries I want, eating out when I want to, being able to go to the movies when I want to. But In order to make that happen, I was going to have to have money coming in from somewhere. If I'm not going to have the financial, you know, benefit of my parents, I'm going to have to have money coming in from somewhere, right? Like the money can't just come out of thin air. So how is that money going to come in? How am I going to make that money? I had two choices again. I could either get a job or work for myself. Getting a job was off the table for a wide variety of reasons. I didn't ever want to have a boss. I didn't want to have hours and a schedule that someone else got to set and dictate for me. But even more importantly, I didn't have those hours available. I was a college student athlete. So I was spending, you know, 19 hours a day with football, studying, school, homework, workouts, tests, and eating. So I didn't really have time to work a full-time job. So all of this led me to starting my own business. And that business was a totally different business than what I'm doing today. That business was helping moms keep their kids safe on Snapchat. And before you send me a direct message asking me for the link to that course, it's no longer available. I'm sorry. But that course eventually turned into Snapchat for business, which eventually turned into Instagram for business and Instagram stories for business. And now speaking on stages all over the world and eventually joining this podcast with my mom and getting to talk to you. Let's trace this all the way back to the beginning. I wouldn't be speaking to you right now. You wouldn't be hearing the sound of my voice if I hadn't had that accident my junior year of college and shattered my collarbone. I wouldn't be speaking to you right now if I hadn't felt out of desperation the need to start a business my freshman year of college. 
I wouldn't be speaking to you right now and I wouldn't be the Instagram expert that I am right now if I hadn't started by teaching moms how to keep their kids safe on Snapchat. There's plenty to learn from that story and plenty we could unpack from that story and break down. But I want to talk about storytelling just as it is. I want to talk about the power of storytelling. You've been listening to me now for over 10 minutes. You haven't really gotten any tips or advice yet. And that's what this podcast is built on. We give you tips and advice and strategies to help build your tribe, to help build your following and your community online. Yet here we are 10 minutes into this episode and I haven't given you one single tip yet and yet you are still listening. One of my favorite storytelling experts is Bo Eason and small world here, Bo actually played college football at the same place I did, UC Davis. Crazy small world. Bo's a great guy, but I remember watching Bo on stage one time and he said that there was this in-depth study done on the most influential and powerful leaders in history. And I should say, not all good guys, of course. A lot of really bad people, a lot of people who have done some really bad stuff, but we have to give it to them. They were very, very powerful leaders. And this in-depth study was done into, like, what did they all have in common? Was there some common thread or common gene or some skill that they all possessed? And the one thing in common, this is going to blow your mind. I knew it blew my mind the first time I heard it. The one thing that all of these world's most influential and powerful leaders throughout history had in common was the ability to storytell. I mean, that's crazy when you think about it. People from Barack Obama to Adolf Hitler to Abraham Lincoln to emperors of China, all of them, the ability to storytell. And we don't need to get so far into that, but we as human beings are hardwired for story. When you storytell, your followers, your listeners, they gain trust in you. You listened to that story about me earlier. And most likely, scientifically, you trust me more right now than you did before you pressed play on this episode. When your followers listen to you telling a story, serotonin and dopamine are released in their brain, causing them to feel sensations of pleasure, happiness, and relaxation just from listening to you tell a story. Also, this leads to great empathy being built for you. When you tell a story, people don't picture you in the story. They picture themselves in the story. And so that's where the empathy comes from. When you were listening to that story earlier, you, you're in your brain subconsciously, were most likely picturing yourself doing all of the things that I was saying were happening to me in my life. Here's a stat for you if you love statistics. You are 22 times more likely to remember a story than a statistic. So you're probably going to forget that statistic, but you're probably going to remember some of the stories I've said in this podcast. You are 22 times more likely to remember a story than a statistic. That's mind-blowing. Imagine if every Instagram story or every Facebook post you made or every YouTube video you shared, if it was remembered 22 times more by your followers. That's powerful. Think about that in your next business meeting. The next time you're presenting a slideshow or giving a training, stories are 22 times more likely to be remembered. And I know that that opening story was about 10 minutes long, but stories don't have to be long at all. I think a lot of us are familiar with Instagram stories, which are only 15 seconds long, but stories don't have to be long at all. In fact, one of the most powerful stories I've ever heard in my entire life 
was only six words long. And trigger warning for anyone who has lost a child or just trigger warning for anyone who doesn't like sad stories, this six-word story is very sad. Six-word story is for sale, baby shoes, never worn. I mean, that's powerful, right? Like, like I'm not even the, in the room with you right now, and, and I can hear the audible oomph the whew, that we all just let out. I mean, for sale, baby shoes, never worn. That's tragic. You get a lot from that story, and it's only six words long. Stories don't have to be long. They don't have to be complex and intricate in order to make an impact. I do have some tips for you, though. I have the five pieces of a great story, and I also have some tips for you that I've learned about storytelling. And then I'm going to share with you the one thing that I disagree with that I hear all the time about storytelling. I hear it from every storytelling expert in the world, and I disagree with it, and I'm going to share it with you in just a minute. First, the five pieces of a great story. Number one, a hook, something that grabs people's attention. In that six-word story that you just heard, the hook was just for sale. Of course, that hook grabs our attention because when something's for sale, we're like, well, what is it? What's the item for sale? Is it discounted? How much is it discounted? Is it going to save me a bunch of money? What's being sold here? Next, number two is a conflict. The problem, the oppositional force. You could hear that in the accident story from earlier. The oppositional force was quite a few things. The oppositional force was the accident itself. It was the broken bone. The oppositional force was time, right? Because I was running out of time for my recruitment. The oppositional force was homesickness. The oppositional force was not being able to provide for myself when I was away at college because I didn't have time to get a job. So, of course, there's a lot of different ways you can bring conflict into your story. Number three, plot or rising action. That's basically what's going on in the story. Like, what is the actual action taking place? What is going on in the story? And typically that action should rise. The gravity or or the amount of activity should increase as the story nears its climax. It's a big boiling over point, the, the big dramatic moment in the story. Number four, the antagonist, oftentimes the person or the thing that is causing the conflict. It can be yourself, It can be someone else. It could be a dog, an animal. It could be something in nature, or it could be society as a whole. There's a lot of different options for who the antagonist of the story is. And then finally, of course, after the climax, there is the resolution. And something I want to note here is that there might not always be a resolution to the story. Maybe the resolution is just that there is no resolution, Maybe the resolution is that there isn't a happily ever after. Maybe we're still in limbo. Maybe we're still waiting. Maybe we're still going through the tough times right now. Those are the five pieces of a great story. But in all honesty, it's not the anatomy that makes a story great. It's not those five things that we just talked about. In all honesty, what makes a story great is the emotion the way it makes us feel. So the tip that I wanted to share with you is to focus on feelings, not fillings. And what I mean by that is focus on the emotional details rather than the statistics. Focus on the way an event made you feel rather than focusing on the exact dates and times and locations. You might not remember from the story at the beginning of this podcast that it took place in Utah, but 
you're most likely going to remember the way it made you feel. And I, as I'm telling the story, am focusing on the way it made me feel rather than all of the different details and fillings, if you will, of that story. So focus on the emotions, the way things make you feel. And of course, if your audience is then empathizing with you and picturing themselves in the story, they will feel those emotions as well. Another tip that I have for you is to rehearse your stories. Practice in the shower, in the car, record them as voice notes and play them back to yourself. I keep a running list of great stories on my phone. I have literally a list of like 300 different stories that have happened to me over the years. And some of these are really fun to reread and and go through and, you know, keep the memories alive. But also as a business owner, it's great to have this long bank of stories for whenever I'm doing a presentation or whenever I have to sell something or whenever I'm promoting something or I have another live training to do or I am trying to exemplify a point through the use of story, I have 300 stories that are right there ready for the picking. 300 great stories that are funny or sad or memorable or exciting that I can use to get my point across in a more memorable way. So rehearse your stories and also write them down. Keep track of your stories, literally in a notebook or in your notes app on your phone, write down your stories all the time. And then finally, listen to great storytellers. Listen to comedians, watch TED Talks, listen to motivational speakers, authors, Listen to audible books, listen to podcasts, listen to great storytellers for the purpose of just hearing them talk, listening to them tell a story, being captivated and swept away. And then you can listen to it again a second time and take some notes and come up with what they did that really hooked you in or why you were moved to tears from this story. But just listen to great storytellers when you immerse yourself in that experience of being told a great story, it will improve your ability to tell a great story as well. And then finally, I wanted to talk about that, the thing that I disagree with, something that I hear all storytelling experts say, and this is oftentimes how they end their TED Talk or how they end their motivational speech about storytelling, is they say, you have a story to tell. And I disagree with that. And here's why. You have a story to tell. A story. That's the part I disagree with. I don't think you have just one story to tell. I don't think you have like one singular life story that you should tell. And I think when we think about things that way, like I have a story, I have this one beautiful master story that I need to be telling, it puts a lot of pressure on it. And maybe you do have this one powerful story. Maybe you did survive a car crash or maybe you were cured from cancer. Maybe you did save a dog from a burning house or something. Like maybe you do have that crazy, amazing, beautiful story. And if that's you, that's awesome. But for many of us, what we need to recognize is that we don't need to look for this one heroic, astounding, better than the rest moment. And instead, we just need to recognize that we have hundreds, if not thousands of stories happening to us every single year, every single month, every single day. And they're happening to us for a reason. I'm a firm believer that the stories and events and and experiences that are happening in your life are happening to you specifically for a reason. And if you can hear the sound of my voice right now, it's because you're a content creator or a business owner or an entrepreneur. You are trying to build a tribe. You are trying to build a community and an audience. And I believe that the experiences and stories and things that are happening in your life 
are happening to you so that they can happen for you, so they can happen for your audience. They are taking place in your life so that you can tell those stories, so that you can learn lessons and share them with your audience, so that you can go through the valley of the shadow of death and emerge on the other side, able to tell your story, your stories, plural, to your audience. So start writing down your story. Start keeping track of the stories and events and experiences that are happening in your life and start sharing them with your audience. Like I said earlier, when you share stories, when you storytell, your audience becomes empathetic for you. So the more you can storytell, the better. The more raw and real and imperfect, the more emotions you can share, the more honesty you can bring to your stories, the more your audience will connect with you, the more they'll like you, love you, know you, and trust you. And of course, that will lead to better customers and better sales, but that will also lead to a raving community of loyal lifers, people who want to participate in everything you do, people who are going to follow you down any path, no matter what your passions change or alter or bring, or no matter what new business venture you go into, you're going to create a loyal tribe of followers, a loyal community of people through storytelling. So I want you to recognize that you don't just have a story, you have stories, you have hundreds of stories that you can tell. So I want to encourage you to be a storyteller. Tell your stories. Get out there, get on your social media platform, whatever platform you prefer and start storytelling and as always happy networking if you enjoyed this show please don't forget to make sure you're subscribed and following along build your tribe is available on apple podcast spotify and most every podcast app if you enjoyed this episode please be sure to leave a five-star review and tell us specifically what you enjoyed we'd love to know Build Your Tribe is released every Tuesday and Thursday. For Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, be sure to follow and subscribe to Shalene's other podcast, The Shalene Show. It's about living your best life, improving all areas like mindset, habits, relationships, nutrition, ADHD, fitness, self-care, sleep, and so much more. Links to anything referenced in today's episode, as well as show sponsors and other podcasts, can be found below in our show notes. Mm-hmm.